Hello, friends, family, and everyone in between. Pew, you pew, are pew. listening to the Feel Good Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Osgood. I'm another one of your hosts, Byron Filler. And on this podcast, we chat with interesting people that we know, and we ask them about what makes them feel good and what's the good that they put out in the world. And speaking of good, Byron, what's good in your world? How's it going, bud? Uh, Well, post-wedding, life has kind of returned back to normal, trying to figure out, like, what to do with myself and juggling so many different things. One of the fun things I'm excited about and exploring right now is uh, doing more research about NFTs. Um, Yeah, so a little bit of background is, uh, so I'm working on... A project for my dad that's been going on I'll, I'll just cut to the chase in high school my dad was a rock and roll photographer whoa i know not not uh, just like a rock and roll photographer like a fucking good one yeah so basically like he took photography in high school uh, and brought his camera everywhere with him. He went to a bunch of different shows. He went and saw like Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, The mm-hmm. Who, and has got some really cool shots. Also, just some really cool stories from taking those shots that are like you can't imagine being like living during that era, seeing yeah. those bands. It's but you get to see these amazing photos, and so. He, a couple years ago, my dad's just had his photos in a box sitting in the garage since he was 18, Um, because he obviously did not become a photographer. He went and became an accountant, so he's just had all these photos sitting there, like, collecting dust for years, and because of my own uh, passion for film photography within the past couple of years, I happened to have all of the equipment to uh, clean film, digitize it, and like restore everything. So my sister and I pulled together a little project to be able to just to show him what he has, because I don't think he ever has really been able to see what he has and mm-hmm. really understand the gravity of and the history that he has in these photos especially them just being never before seen like he's yeah. never done anything with these that's crazy um, i know so we showed it we showed it to him and once he saw we made him a book of just mm-hmm. all the shots that he has and once he we presented it to him the way that we saw it he kind of just said okay let's you know what? Yeah, let's do something with this. Because <laughs> if I, at the end of the day, if I can get my dad to admit that he was cool, um, I'll <laughs> I'll be happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That I mean, the photos that you showed me are just outstanding. Like, oh the yeah, quality. Like how close he was able to get, and just oh my god, it was fucking well, awesome. Yeah. I think I showed you, so I'll tell you, like, one of the stories he told me is less, more like a moment, because I was showing you, like, photos from The Who, and he was telling me about how, like, he just, he he got picked up by the crowd, he got so close to the stage, and they're moshing, 
and he had a choice take a photo with the potential of falling flat on his face like he was lifted up in the air so it's like yeah. take a photo or uh like grab people's shoulders like figure out your situation he chose taking a photo and ended up with one of i mean just all of these amazing ama- amazing shots yeah rock and roll gods Icons. in action yeah, yeah. It's that's the kind of level of like, oh, yeah, no, I you don't get that in a crowd of people who are uh, holding up their cell phones as an alternative Mm -hmm. to lighters at a a concert. That doesn't happen. Rock and roll was completely different back then. And the fact that your dad was able to kind of capture that raw essence back then is brilliant. Yeah. How does that lead to NFTs? So we're looking at NFTs as the mechanism, the option to sell uh, his work. And especially because the space is so new and it's all about collectors really, you know, having work that is never before seen uh, is a lot more lucrative than just like putting it up in a gallery or like making a book out of it. And yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I think, again, like trying to get the most widespread recognition for him is my is my goal. And I know it's for him, you know, a, do- a dollar value will help him validate yeah. the actual value of this history. So this seems like the most logical route to take. Um, but the whole world of NFTs is wild i'll talk a little bit yeah i'll have a little bit more in the future to actually say about it when i know more um but that that's this is gonna be an ongoing story when (laughs) i when i have more i promise phil goody two shoes where you're gonna hear all about when these photos release we're gonna make a summer concert series out of it so we should (laughs) oh yeah absolutely uh i think we could book the who they're they're still doing their thing so we (laughs) we got that power we can pull them (laughs) uh but until i have photos to share uh mike what is good with you what's going on Oh, you know, uh, I start a new job next week, so so excited about that. And then I actually, when this comes out, I'll be starting it. But I'm taking a couple days to myself. I slept in today, and I'm more tired. Don't know how that happened. Uh, Isn't that a mystery? A mystery? Like you go to bed, you like sleep well, and it's like, why am I still groggy? Nine hours of sleep, and I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I I had that happen. Um, let's see. What else is good with me? Uh, besides taking a little mini vacay, you know, just soaking up life, you know, just having a little bit of relaxation before uh, the chaos of starting a new job kicks in. So relaxing, kind of taking some moments for myself, playing some video games because that's what makes me feel good sometimes. It gives me that mental stimulation. And... Uh, oh, I uh, I started cooking again this week. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I don't, are you cooking? I don't usually do cooking in our apartment. Uh, I kind of leave that to Alexia because she is 
the way better chef than I am. But <laughs> I did a Parmesan chicken and kale medley oh, thing, and it was I'm, yummy. I'm was hungry. Yummy. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Yeah, I was very happy and impressed with myself. I was like, "Ooh, this is like, mmm, mmm." Mm. I mean, so, you made the right choice of putting cheese on it. Of course, it's hard yeah. to fuck something up when you put cheese on it, but it was it was delicious. I was very happy with myself. So I feel like you know, I, I will say, I feel like cooking is a lot easier than like people give it credit. Like in order to master, yes, you have to be a really good yeah. chef. But like, I think I even before I went to college, like my dad taught me like how to cook an egg and boil some water and once you like know those two things you're gonna be fine see i i had one incident where i almost chopped off my thumb and it kind of set my cooking back a lot (laughs) as i was like oh god i'm just scared of the kitchen now (laughs) trying to be cool trying to chop an onion and then i got like 99 percent through and then sliced the top of my thumb like almost off and oh yeah and got a bunch of stitches and watched Dragon Ball Z while they were putting the stitches in. It was great. Um, <laughs> but ever since then, I have been kind of cautious with doing things in the kitchen and then faced my fears and made some yummy food. And I was like, all right, cool. So I'm gonna I can s- I can teach you some good, safe, like knife cutting techniques because there Please. is a way to really like do it with like, so instead of like doing it like, this with your like your fingertips on like do it no, with your you like, gotta, nails yeah, yeah you, you gotta, gotta like, do it with your nails yeah, yeah you kind of got a pot i and also if i you... also got master class so gordon ramsay's gonna teach me how to uh cut oh. things as well then then you then he's got this exactly gordon ramsay has got this yeah as long but, as yeah he'll yeah. do it with a little light screaming but uh, that's exactly this. what i need in my life <laughs> but you want to know what else everybody else needs in their life this interview today oh, with yes. the amazingly hilarious, <laughs> adventurous, yeah. and just all-around badass, Elizabeth Francis. I laughed the whole time. We, we laughed. We talked about like some surprisingly serious things. And it and was laughed just great. all the way through it because yeah. it was just that's who she is an exuberantly positive person who's excited about those challenging conversations. She is. But a little bit about Liz before we hop in. You have probably seen her in Netflix's series Love, and she's also on FX's Mayans MC as she plays Katrina on there. And also, you'll probably see a variety of her projects coming out in the near future. She has so many things going on, but we don't want to tell her story. We're going to let her tell her story. So, Absolutely. Byron, shall we, shall we get into this interview? And gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody else, hello. <laughs> it's a Feel Good Podcast, <laughs> and we are here today with our super lovely, awesome, badass, adventure lady, also known as Liz Francis. Liz, how the hell are you doing? What up, 
I wanted to give myself a foghorn. <laughs> I will do what I can to find a sound effect of foghorns for you. I appreciate it. I appreciate no it. No problem. But how you doing, girl? How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I'm vaccinated. The world's Hell opening yeah. back up soon. I see people outside. It's what, uh, a uh, new normal, man. What team are you rocking? Are you uh, Pfizer rocking, or are you Moderna? I'm team Moderna. Ooh. 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 I got I got Pfizer. Oh, you got the Pfizer? The Pfizer, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you I've... have any side effects? Um, yes, I did. It was only after the uh, second shot that it was just, I was just really tired and had some body aches for the most part and maybe a headache, but it was a day and that was it. That's awesome. Okay. I did not. I, I didn't had... either. Really? I'm, I'm surprised about you not having any because let us know if you're willing to chat about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Liz had COVID. I did. <laughs> yeah. I had COVID. I got it. I got it from, I, I'm pretty sure I got it from a sound booth, oddly <laughs> enough, in Los Angeles. Or it was either it was either there or a Starbucks bathroom in Los Angeles. Both Probably. are I'm very strong. <laughs> Those are I'm literally the only two places. I, I, I'm in LA, and I just but I would just blame this whole city. Just blanket blame yeah. of the whole city. Yes. <laughs> I was staying in San Diego, and I was like, oh, I got to go to LA for work one day. And I thought on the way back, my mother-in-law was coming, coming um, to stay. And I was like, you know what? Let's just test just in case. Didn't feel anything, not a, and two days later, it was a positive, and I was like, I don't feel anything. This can't be real. No way. It was crazy. I was going to say, did you have any issues with scent, or did you lose your taste? Did that kick in? So I did. So I, at first, like the day the positive result came back, I literally was like, I kept testing my temperature. I have a blood oximeter. Like I did the whole thing, oh, and I was shit. like, everything's normal this doesn't make sense and like later that day and okay truth be told it was also literally like the night before the election oh, oh wow. so i was like am i going to be quarantined during this election oh i didn't even think oh, about that oh God. yes so it was like so i literally was quarantined in a room alone in my house like from all the people that I like you all the people but but from my husband and my mother-in-law like and they're quarantined in the house going literally kind of like you know, walking talking on the iPhones or yelling downstairs like what's happening they're still <laughs> counting okay can I I'm gonna everybody I'm coming downstairs to to just make some food and literally would put like gloves on the <laughs> alarms start going oh. off <laughs> And then... It was like, she's here, put on your, and all I felt for me, knock on wood, was uh, the most mild cold I'd ever had, mm. that I really was like, I don't have it, but I still treated it, you know, did the whole quarantine, everything, but two days later, I did lose my taste and smell mm. for two days, and I was like, oh, I did have it, and so then, since then, I have been donating plasma regularly yeah. with the red cross so that they can have my antibodies that is awesome that's amazing yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna give you a clap 
I'm gonna, Thanks. I'm gonna give you a clap. <laughs> you know? Me too. You're a real life superhero. <laughs> make make something good out of a out of a not so good situation. Yes. And everything's useful. <laughs> Very much so. Say ma making some damn good omelets with some broken eggs. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Also, Lots. the Red yeah. Cross gives you Cheez-Its for free, and they show you a movie. So. I mean, this is the content that we're trying to put out. <laughs> so spreading the good. Speaking <laughs> of good, like I mentioned, everybody, we're chatting with Liz Francis. Liz Francis is hey. an actress. She is a yes. writer. She yeah. is basically Laura Croft in many ways. Uh, just genuine, all-around adventurous, and also described rowdy mermaid. Yes. 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 But. Liz, thank you so much for being here. We very oh. much appreciate it. But before we get to know you even more, before we start learning about all the things good, <laughs> we must address the bad. And we are going to go into our moment of bad where we spend 60 seconds and we'll each dispel one thing that's been bothering us. I will start now. My thing, my moment of bad, is road litter this is litter that just happens to be on the highway and you know you're having to duck dodge dip dive and dodge out of traffic to try to not hit this <laughs> say that five that. times fast <laughs> and on my way back from byron's wedding it was either run over one of those five gallon neon orange home depot buckets or hit a car and I had to run over this five-gallon bucket in my brand-new Mazda CX-30. And now I have to take my car to the shop next week to go get the front of it. So I'm going to take this road litter, litter and I'm going to gather it in a bag, and I'm going to make it be gone. I'm just out of here. I was going to say road letter like, dear, <laughs> I hate you. Love, Mike. Dear empty big gulp cup, <laughs> why did that trucker throw you out? You're totally reusable. <laughs> big gown. Byron, what's bad with you? Um, so I, this is just going to be a little bit of a rant. I'm going to start with my bike got stolen out of my garage last week. And it got stolen because the garage itself uh, is just finicky. If I come up into my apartment and just like even touch it a little bit, the garage opens. If I stand right in front of it and press the dongle as hard as I can, it does not open. Sometimes I'm leaving. It'll just go all the way down and then be like, nope, psych. So I had a situation where, uh, and we have a parking neighbor who left and didn't realize that it wasn't shut because it did the nope psych kind of situation. I luckily, like, we have video from uh, like security video, and I filed the re police report. But the bad that I'm leading up to is that it's more about how it has affected me this week. And my bad is about just like fucking how the universe just keeps coming back to just screw me over from shit that's just out of my control it just sucked like basically <laughs> lift would not work for me because i had to go to a doctor's appointment and it's just far enough that like you can bike there but like 
far enough away that you, like, you just... It'd take hours to walk. And this wouldn't have fucking happened if my garage worked. So, begone universe and your swinging dongle that isn't working. I'm spitting. It's just a peace out. Peace out universe of negativity. Right. Be gone with your bad self. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Bye, Hello, Liz. What is your bad? <laughs> On a plus, you did get to use the word you dongle did. appropriately. You did. It's, <laughs> a, it's definitely like a good $10 word that is just fun to yeah. say. Oh, God. I want a moment of bad with the word dongle in it just so <laughs> I can say dongle. Honestly, it was just the only word that I could think of that was just appropriate enough. I will Venmo you $1 if you can find a way to incorporate dongle into your moment of bad. <laughs> oh, okay. You're my witnesses. Okay, so I've okay. I'm gonna do this in sixty seconds. Oh. Just watch. Boom. So I've got two. The nerdy one is, I've been reading a lot, and finally I sit down and get to watch and binge Invincible, mm. which I fucking loved. If you've read the comic, it's Kirkman. It's awesome. And then it was done. <laughs> and I couldn't watch it anymore. Oh, no. Uh, and I was like, no. <laughs> but it has been renewed for seasons two and three. So Beautiful. wonderful. A more adult bad, which is which is very girly, is uh, so <laughs> right before the last shutdown, when everything was at its peak, things had opened again. And I had and I had immunity because I was you know, the immunity gauntlet after having yeah. COVID. And I was like, oh my God, I, I've been at the beach so much. I can finally stop shaving and go get a Brazilian again. <laughs> so, so I go and I get a Brazilian. I'm like, yes, I'm back on the train. I'm 13 again, this is great. And then everything shuts down. And I'm like, no, I have to start shaving again this is terrible so finally literally today before this podcast in the spirit of feel good we have started the brazilian train again and it was painful but it was worth it all aboard and we're, we're all aboard that train. shaving be gone <laughs> and you know and i sat there thinking gosh i just wish i had a dongle to distract <laughs> me <laughs> that i could play with did i do it Ah, oh, son awesome. of a bitch. I was hoping she'd forget. Uh, you want a white? I'll take this dollar. I'll take That's... this dollar. I'll make it be gone. Okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was worth all 100 yes, cents. it sure was. Holy crap. You all did do that in cents. two minutes. I am impressed. I did. So it was 60 seconds each? You get, you get uh, a choice there? Got family friendly? Not they're both friendly. <laughs> For those of whom may not know you, that may not have seen you in the shows that you have been in, whatever. It's the majority of the You want to know what? <laughs> I, I'm still trying to know me. Well, so. why don't you tell us your identity crisis and um, let us know <laughs> who you think you are. And This is who... Yeah. Oh, very... Exactly. Like, who you think you are. But also, yeah. too, like all good superheroes, what is your origin story? Tell us about who you are, where you came from. 
Ooh, where I where I came, came from. from. Um, if I was a superhero too, or if I could be one, I definitely would pick Mystique because I just think Ooh. that she can like chameleon into anyone in any version of herself. Mm -hmm. Is just so. Do you dope. think Mystique? So, can Mystique speak different languages when she takes on? I feel like she can, like I feel like she gets the skill set somewhere. No, no? I, d I think it's just, just a visual. I think she uh, oh. she's a good she's a good actor and able to play the part, but I think it's just the voice. So she's just like, and now I'm an old Russian man. <laughs> she's like, I mean, which look, sounded more I, like Borat. I don't know. I, I have a lot of confidence in her being smart enough to learn these languages and like do the, do the work because that's what she that's what she'd do. She's mystique. Really, that just means like I'm so ready for the world to open back up and yeah. like, <laughs> work as an actress exactly. again. <laughs> that's really yes. what that means. My origin story. Uh, so I was. Uh, it was the nice. It was this nice day in Okinawa, Japan, uh, and uh, little Lizzie was born. Um, I was born in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, my my dad was in the military. He was in the Marine Corps. Um, and then eventually we uh, moved to Southern California. So I actually spent most of my life, I grew up in um, in. San Diego, the whale's vagina. <laughs> um, <laughs> beautiful place, but in Oceanside, California, which now is all like coffee shops and microbreweries, but back then was like, it was yep. rough. Like we were like, it was rough. They've um, got a Legoland down there. <laughs> there's I'm, a Legoland uh, now. Uh, I grew up here. I always like love to play sports. I um, uh, uh, mixed kid, but so were all the other military mm -hmm. brats. Um, and uh, I grew up here. Um, somewhere along the way, I uh, stumbled upon uh, theater when I think in third grade, some lady told my parents, I don't know, like she should be an actress. And I was like, what's that? Because I would just get bored in school and I think there was a rainforest poem or something that we were all supposed to read. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna deliver this like really boring poem, I'm gonna make it entertaining. And suddenly it was like, wait, this is a job? Yeah. Um, what's a job in <laughs> third grade? <laughs> And um, yeah, so I started uh, uh, acting. It was kind of more like middle school, I think. I, there was a theater here in town in Oceanside, California, um, where uh, I took the city bus to the, you know, this woman, Elaine Widower, who was amazing. And I just was like, I want to join Teach Me Shakespeare. <laughs> this like presumptuous yeah. kid. She's like, all right. And I would just like, you know, do all the plays. And then she also was at this like Army Navy Academy, which was a boys school and they needed girls. So that's where I like played all the, basically I like grew up, my teenage years were spent playing like mothers. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I was like, why am I always the mom? Yeah, um, no, I never play the mom. And, uh, and uh, yeah, like play, like was always outdoorsy, was always, I used to outrigger canoe when I, you know, on a team, I was never really, I played basketball. I was never really great at any of those sports. I was yeah. just physical, probably because I just didn't, uh, my feet definitely aren't coordinated. Um, <laughs> uh, somewhere along the way, there were awkward years that still continue. And then I, I ended up going to college at uh, CalArts, California Institute of the Arts. Um, some call it the Juilliard of the West Coast. Uh, I call it, um, Oh, this wonderful, wonderful, like artistic mecca 
um, where I made many close friends, got to like spend four years completely in my metier as an actor, but also was encouraged to like think outside the box and dabble and it was very experimental. Um, it also had a no censorship policy, so also was like insane. Um, <laughs> creative. So this is insane. just natural setup yes. for you, right here. This is yeah, pretty much. It was just a place for me to put my insanity, <laughs> and put on yeah. as mystique, put on my many identities, be especially being mixed. <laughs> um, and uh, and I just I've always loved storytelling and i say storytelling because i think like you know acting is definitely like in theater my first love and and that's where i um it's always like church like you know you go back to the theater and it's like oh it's church what and what um, about storytelling got you like what was what was that moment that the bug bit you and you were like i i absolutely just love telling stories i mean in a in a in a small in a small way that I think has hopefully matured over time that I mean even thinking of like that that day in third grade and being like if we're gonna do this why don't we make people feel something and I always think of like being a storyteller as you know we are in the unique position that I do think carries um, both great opportunities and great responsibility that our job is to make people feel yeah um, I don't know how many, you know, doctors friggin' save lives or, you know, fix your tonsils, and that's their job. And our job is to make society feel things and, and see themselves in someone else, whether someone who doesn't look like them or someone who doesn't live the same type of life, who, who has a different sexuality or gender or story. And, and it's this magical place where and I think this of all art where people, and I've seen it in theater, I love because it's, you, I get to see the effect in real time, you know, with a live audience. But I mean, it's the same when you leave a premiere and you're like, how do people, what do they think? Or what are they, you know, when they say things on Twitter or, or you get like letters or, you know, DMs or whatever, yeah. um, that it's the one place, whether it's music, you know, um, um, you know, visual art, uh, uh, you know, filmmaking, um, theater, that it's the one place that people are willingly arresting themselves in order to empathize with whoever the characters are in front of them, with whatever that story is. Uh, and I think that it makes the world or allows people to try to see that we're just all so much more alike than different. We all have very different intricacies. We all have very different um, specific individual ways of doing things. But it's, I, I just believe that if we can just understand each other, that in that, that's enough. We always want to do something. But like, instead of being prescriptive, if we just seek to understand one another more, that the world would be a better place. <laughs> that's, I, and that's no, why I love really storytelling. Would. That could have said it better. <laughs> You were ta you were telling us just now about like performing in the theater, going to church. You've also done screen acting. Like, what is it that is? Do you prefer uh, theater acting over screen acting? Are they just different, or is it what what's staying fresh for you in either or both of those spaces? I um, it definitely both. I love they're they're different. It's almost like it's almost like I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a a musician. I've 
played the cello. I grew up playing the cello. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, fun. Um, so I can jam a little bit on the cello. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, the, I mean, it, right, different things. Like, even when I'm on a set and there's, like, it's you're never alone. You have a crew, even if you're in an indie and have a small crew or you're on, like, a big television production, you have a giant crew. There's still a theater to it, but it's yeah. almost like theater uh versus like film and television is it's also like the way you craft it is like okay i'm gonna live this entire ride and this entire story in this one night and so mm -hmm. and you get to have like the luxury of having a rehearsal process and the reps in and and you know that time with your fellow actors but you also have the unique challenge of um i mean i think the last play i did was actually in san francisco and I try to do theater at least once a year if I can. Um, uh, you know, we were doing nine shows a week. And it was, Oof. I don't know, how, how long was that show? Like two and a half hours or something? and Or I don't know. And, um, you know, nine shows a week over a several, <laughs> you know, months. Yeah. You're like, okay, there's a unique challenge of how is this fresh tonight? How is how who I am in the world today? Or what's going on in the world today? you know, uh, have a thread in this story tonight or how my fellow actor feels or whereas film and TV, you don't get as many takes, you don't get the rehearsal process. So in a way it's, you're kind of like jumping in the pool, but the, the freshness of it is really exciting. And, and, um, it's, a, I don't know, they're just different beacons. It's like, one is like, you know, Crayola markers and the other one is like a laser because it's like <laughs> that camera's in your face and this close, you know, and you can, you know, kind of see yourself a little in it if you if you peek yeah. too hard. And, or it almost um, seems like with theater, different. you're getting a little bit more, in a, in a weird way, you're getting more chances and a little bit more distance just having the time with that material as opposed to you, I mean, you get the time on set when you're having to do multiple takes, but once that scene is done, you're you're done with that for the the rest of the day, the rest of time. Yeah, you'll. I mean, you'll shoot. I shot a, a, I think in a whole season, a one. There was one season. I was. I think I was in Texas for six months, and I shot a total of eighteen days. Now they were long days sometimes, but yeah. But you go okay. I'm spreading, and you're go, You got these, you know, chunks that you're. You, it's a different like brain sequencing because you're mapping this character for yourself, and then going okay. What are we shooting today? Okay, what already happened? What didn't happen yet, but I know is going to happen? And how am I building from there in these moments? But the beauty of that too is, unlike the, the theater's intimate in a way that everybody is there together, film and TV is intimate in a way that my, the facilities of like my voice and my body, um, there's a different requirement because I could whisper to my scene partner who's right there and I'm mic'd and there's a, you know, and there's a camera there mm -hmm. and it will just catch everything, which is initially terrifying <laughs> and also yes. very exciting. <laughs> I would say too, I just doing some kind of stage work as well. There, there's something to be said about also just kind of the immediate gratification slash feedback of a live audience in stage work as opposed to 
more screen work of the show. It's sort of a, in one hand, you are in control of the story that you are telling. Whereas with screen, you're kind of at the mercy of a person like Byron of the editor who's putting together oh, yes. all the stories. God and bless editors. I always make friends with editors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, your my life is in your my work is in your oh, hands. Post production is crazy. <laughs> the things that you can do. I I appreciate when actually people take that consideration for pre production. One thing that I really want to know from you is what it's like to have your church get taken away. You had no. for someone who lives, eats, sleeps performing and being on a stage or being in front of a camera and then you had last year how was that for you you know it's so funny that you say this i just i've been talking to a dear dear friend of mine who who honestly is like has been a broadway guy for years and years and years i mean he, he was like this is the first time in 17 years i have not been on stage and as a performer, I admit it, like, I need more attention <laughs> than, than most people. <laughs> it's, it's just how I'm built. It's like, it's how many of us are built. And also, I think that there's things that that, that is in both uh, a place to put the work, but a place to, like, I mean, for myself, I can only speak for myself, but a place to where I sort of digest the world, digest my world. Um, and then a place to process it with other people and to have that all taken away, you know, the first three months of COVID, I literally was testing for two different shows days before, not even days, the day of, um, shutdown. And we were like, okay, uh, see ya. Not sure what's going to happen. Um, and it, at first, you know, when we all were like, how long is this going to last? At first it was cute. I don't know the last time. I was like, this is cute. Look at me. Look, honey, I'm home every day. Look at me on your face. Yeah. Pay attention to me. Look at me. Oh my gosh, I'm putting on, I'm baking all the time. Look at me. How cool. Look at this like role of domesticity that I'm like acting out. Like it became kind mm -hmm. of all of these new roles that were cool for a second. And then I was like, Oh man, shit! I don't, I don't have my place to put it, and I'm very fortunate that I, when I'm not working, I'm always in class because I feel like, you know, if I was an Olympic athlete, you, I wouldn't not go to the gym in the off season. So as an mm -hmm. actor, for me, I just for myself, I want to keep growing regardless of whether there's a role there or not. So I'm always in class, and our class had gone to Zoom, so thank God Monday nights I had to like a, sort of a virtual church still not the yeah. same yeah. but it was something but months in it's like going to a catholic church and not getting the bread and cookies yeah you're like you know? this is wait where's the and and even like you know i shot um the end of i, I shot uh, mayans the end of last year um and uh came back to that show and even that with all the face shields and all the like i was like man this is the most Im impersonal version of what we do that I've ever experienced. And it was sad because it was like, okay, great. And I had to like work with a kid and 
and it was like okay I need to hold this kid feel comfortable I need this kid to feel comfortable like he's my son <laughs> you know and then work with my you know fellow actress and then and it's like great cut face shields on last looks go to your like separate corners and it was so different and I was like we're making it work but it's definitely not the same and uh not having not having church um I I think adventure and the ocean they, that those things became my church. Like I've always loved the ocean. I've always loved being outside, but I think it was such a busy life before um, yeah. that I just fully took advantage of of the outdoors in a way and reconnecting honestly with myself and probably some coping mechanisms that were taken away. That I was like, okay, I've got to. I have an opportunity here to like sit with myself and grow. And um, and I took it, and I was like, yeah. "All right." And and the ocean absolutely became like my church during this period of time because it was the place that I felt most present and alive. Um, you know, because I didn't have I didn't have my church, and it's like being an NBA player and then going like, "By the way, you can't play basketball anymore." And mm. like, you're like, "Oh, but I have my whole life." I've been, I mean, third grade, right? Middle school, mm -hmm. you go, I've always had this. Um, where do I put this? And what if, you know, you start, what if it doesn't come back? And what if, and I have friends that have had, uh, you know, um, we've all talked about it, I think, particularly mm -hmm. tough times uh, with this. So I'm excited that it's coming back, but I used it as an opportunity to go, okay, so if this, let's say this, what is this all about? Like, what is, what is this place for me? And what is it both, you know, how is it both a part of me, but how is it maybe supplementing for some things um, that I need to face about myself? Yeah. Uh, and I just took this as a chance, you know, utilized as a chance to work on myself. Well, let's dig deeper into this water world <laughs> that you have found of being able to go out and find your kind of find your identity and more of these adventures and like tell us what you found about yourself what are some of the things that you have grown to love that have made you feel good in these moments oh totally the like i have been free diving a fuck ton <laughs> yes i learned to surf i've just been and i've always wanted to learn to surf and um uh shout out to my friend Lip Smack Surf, if you're in LA. Uh, that is my Broadway friend who took it as an opportunity to create his own business because he was like, Broadway's not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. Um, he's from Oahu, he's great, everybody. He taught me and I caught a wave on my first day. Uh, I went, when I went to Bali and I got surf lessons, my guy taught me something in like five minutes. I got up, but then I also crashed hard <laughs> and got a gnarly scratch across my chest Sounds from the right. blades of the board. Oh, no. And then I was like, cool, I'm done. And then I drank a lot of beers oh, no. to supplement. Oh, no. I'll, I'll send you guys pictures of it. It's I do want to see this. It's, it's nothing too bad. <laughs> but so you started free diving. You started surfing. Yeah. And what was it about these things that unlocked that little super yeah. happy list? It was, it was um, you know what it was? It was, A, I think, like, like, getting to appreciate the world around me and like having the time to do it. Whereas, you know, 
the with like some combination of FOMO and the hustle of like you know the industry and life in general. Um, I, you know, I won't lie. I think that I still had it, but it was like I was stealing those moments before instead of going, yeah, these moments are incredibly important. I need to make more time for these. Like, wait, like this, a sunrise and a sunset are free every day. And, and I thought, why am I not taking advantage of this? And, you know, and I've been down in San Diego for this whole uh, pandemic. Uh, I have a place here and a place in L.A. And it was so diving deep line diving even specifically but getting in the ocean exploring seeing little sea creatures like i just felt like there's this i I also was literally i was reading books on diving and it just became about curiosity and exploration and um it wasn't result oriented it wasn't uh it wasn't something that was about um, achieving something, you know, for the long term. It was just about following this thread of curiosity and being really present. And in the fluidity of water, you know, I think, uh, I don't think it's an accident. I think, I believe, to get all like woo-woo, but like, you know, there water as an element is very feminine it's um yeah you know salt water is this perfect existence and balance to like allow for all of this life to exist in it and i think something about you know i was able to dive 33 meters which is 108 feet i can't that's not pretty dope that's on a crazy. single breath that's nuts. i know it was it's like what and to hold my breath for four minutes and five seconds which i know i can do better um <laughs> <laughs> the, like i like truth be told the other day i was trying to hold my breath just as a means of <laughs> trying to come to this conversation and make myself sound cool i learned that i'm not cool I, I was you're so cool you're so I, cool. I, I mean i'm cool but like i'm not hold my breath for four minutes cool i was like i think i got to probably a minute and i'm genuinely interested in learning what is that secret to just being able to kind of in the end of the day it's mostly mind controlling because your it is isn't it true that your body can naturally hold your breath for like five minutes but it's the mental yeah bits behind it correct yeah I, i mean i think so i think there's definitely like you know obviously physiological factors and but but i i actually i Actually, I was able to teach my husband how to hold his breath for three minutes oh, wow. um, oh. on the first try. And I was like, it's about feeling safe. It's about um, trusting your body. It's about knowing, having safeties in place so you can push your limits. Um, but also, the, it's a mental game. It's absolutely a mental game. And I think that's why I fell in love with free diving because to dive, there's all of, there's like a mammalian reflex dive reflex that happens but there's also when you go deep there's um there are physiological things that happen to your body so you actually are more comfortable at the bottom because as the volume of the ocean increases you know on your body you know more oxygen molecules huzzah but then when you come Mm. back up the opposite happens so most people black out if they black out within the top 
you know, like I think it's like 15 feet. Interesting. Um, so you're, there's technique. There's all of these things that you learn. However, every time I've hit a personal best, what I love about it is my attitude is like everything disappears and I'm just looking at the line going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And just enjoying that ride and every personal best has been a surprise that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm here already. I guess yeah. I'll go back up. Yeah. And there's something about that that taught me, you know, and you're, there are, you're, you'll feel contractions and it's not, you know, comfortable and your brain's going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, breathe mm -hmm. or go up, yeah. go up fast and now. And the truth is, is whenever you want to, I think it was uh, like Kimmy Werner had had this great TED talk and it was like, whenever you feel like you should speed up, slow down. Because if you're trying to speed up because you're afraid or you're reacting to all of these like, you know, impulses and terrible feelings that are happening, A, physiologically, you're gonna kick faster and then you're gonna burn through your oxygen faster and you might black out if you're having, you know, contractions. Mm, yeah. But also, you're okay. You actually start to, I'm saying this of me, it's like my, my brain's like, oh, it, that's just happening. Like, okay, yeah, my, my you know, body's shaken or, or okay, my legs are feeling burned. Okay, that's happening. I wonder it's how like observing much, yourself. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much of your act, training as an actor prepared you for that level of emotional fortitude and control in that. Yeah, I, I, I do think that like there's, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer. Like I've had like, <laughs> I'm brown, so I'm always like dying or pregnant <laughs> or like dying pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, can I just do a comedy? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm like, when do I, can I not die this time? Uh, <laughs> poor, beaten up, like when do I get to, and, <laughs> and, but there is a thing of going there that, that I do believe, and I've set up like rituals for myself because I want to keep myself healthy, that like my body doesn't know the difference. My brain can go, this is pretend, but I've also just like played a mental game in a way to put my, my body still, you know, when you cry, you cry. When you feel anger, you feel anger. And that, my body felt that. It was real to my body, even though my mind's like, yeah, but that's, that you didn't actually die. You didn't actually lose a child. You didn't actually X, Y, Z. You didn't actually, you know, weren't molested. You didn't actually, but in order to, I think I, the show I was doing in San Francisco, it was nine shows a week of both, you know, um, you know, fighting for the rights of uh, uh, sovereignty rights and uh, for missing and murdered indigenous women basically on stage in a giant Supreme Court speech every night as well as getting raped on stage every night and it was like okay my body doesn't know that this isn't real so how do I let my body feel the things and allow it to leave and also do that over and over and over because wow. it, yeah. it's you know, and I, I do think that there's a resilience, um, both in that, in meditation. I've done like a 10 day silent retreat in Joshua Tree, like no reading, writing, exercise, like 11 hours a day meditating. I'm very extroverted, like not seeing anyone. 
It's I'm <laughs> it's a lot. So impressed. <laughs> yeah. I am so impressed. I just I just like to throw myself into things that are into things that are uncomfortable so that I can kind of observe myself and go and and go, "Oh, that's what I do." Um and learn more about myself and I I guess I I like change and I like uncomfortable situations as long as they're have healthy bumpers on the bowling lane Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and that I feel will allow me to learn something new. Yeah. I mean, I, you are, I think, making just you as a person making so much more sense to me about where that adventurous <laughs> spirit actually comes from and what you are like, what you really focus on. And especially I, I wanted to bring this around to talking a little bit about uh, sci-fi and you just as a, a storyteller. And uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about, I mean, first things first, just asking about the origin of sci-fi and just go diving into these worlds. What is, What do you feel that experience or what you relate to the most with that genre in particular? Oh, man, I love, well, A, my, my husband loves sci-fi. Like, he, he definitely, I won't even lie, I had never, and he was like, you're so young. And I was like, I mean, I'm not that young, but my parents censored my television when I was younger. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So they just made a crazy person who had to have an imagination. (laughs) But I had never seen aliens. Can you believe it? I was like, what? What? Which is like one of the greatest, but I also, of course I'd seen The Abyss. I love The Abyss. Um, (laughs) But there's, I love sci-fi, A, because and this is my this is my hey television world sci-fi better be diverse because it's the future and let's be let's look at demographics and like like people mm-hmm. are intermingling if that was like a 50s word oh the races are intermingling <laughs> like all different kinds of families exist now and in the future that's going to be what actually exists um, and then yeah. we'll probably find a new way to you know discriminate against each other because humans but I hope not <laughs> sorry just go down Fingers that crossed. <laughs> let's have optimism <laughs> here know, please hopefully we learn but we'll live longer if, which will help us learn but I what I love about sci-fi is you know as a as a mixed woman of color as a person who's like had all of these uh, foots in different realms um, you know both in in the LGBTQ plus community and the Hispanic community and the Asian community and the indigenous community um, you know I, I'm white too like you know my husband's black like having had all of these experiences and being a military brat I just realized like man we're I get to have I get to be a part of all these intimate conversations because there's pieces of me in all of these groups. And then you go, wait, nobody's talking to each other. And then we make stories of the present day by people who aren't necessarily living inclusive lives. Like I have no choice. Like I'm never gonna be the majority in the room ever. No one's gonna ever be me. But I would also argue that no one will ever be you, Byron, and no one will be you, Mike. That maybe there's these Um. outward signifiers, but within us are multitudes. And I'm just lucky Mm -hmm. enough because of how I look, because of how I identify, that I get to witness the multitudes intimately and then share them. And sci-fi is the place that I get to make up the rules. If we do historical pieces, I didn't make those rules. Like even the rules of the world now, the things that we have to navigate, like I didn't get to make those rules. 
I'm, I'm working within the confines and constraints and trying to break through those, those rules, but story creation and, um, sci-fi in particular is a place that is like the intersection of technology and history and also like whatever I want the world to look like. And the freedom of that is fucking awesome. (laughs) It's just awesome. (laughs) What what would you say your approach is to in sci-fi, anything is possible. Like, what would you say your approach is to really creating these stories or characters? Do you have that sort of checklist that hits the Liz Francis mark? Or is it just for sure sort of inspiring, whatever, for, at the moment? Well, A, I mean, I love sci-fi and I love concepts, but my favorites are things that are, like, character-driven. Because for me, mm-hmm. yeah, technology is cool, but it's honestly not as – it's really not that interesting to me without, like, what is the effect on the human? Um that's you know we got iphones kids back when we were what like when did the iphone in college the ipod yeah, came college. Out. College, college or like late high school yeah like we got cell phones but then smartphones came along and i'm like when they invented that or or invented facebook we had no idea at that time how that would change the world it has literally changed us as human beings of how much how much we like intellectually digest where we put our feelings how we interact with one another and like the best sci-fi my approach is always to start with the person and their problem or to start with the technology and go now what's the problem that this could create or and also what's the solution what's like any tool you know fire can keep you warm it can also burn the house down and technology and sci-fi to me like my approach is okay great what are the positives what's the like whole story of this piece and how does it exploit the good and the bad in a character not even good and bad the complexities and hardships the wants and needs and how those things are at odds in a character and then great let's throw them you know throw them on that trajectory and like go on that journey I really love sci-fi that, like, because you're talking about, like, solutions. I think good sci-fi has multiple solutions to the same problem. And those, like, the conflict of the story becomes about it, how characters one have formed an ideology around that uh that solution and how they're either willing to work together in spite of disagreeing with each other or how they're just never going to see eye to eye because of it and it's i i can see that as like such a huge reflection of where we are at in the conversation around diversity right now totally right there's beautiful i think there's there's wonderful things like it's it's given i mean social media has has kind of given away the gatekeepers keys and allowed people to who have never really been able to organize and connect in in a way to unify and to share their stories on the other hand it also and this is just my perspective um sometimes is also used as a substitute for real nuanced communication yes and that is the problematic part of it for me is is yes there's a you know there's an overarching problem you know whatever that may be 
um, whether it, co- it involves like you know gender and you know pay inequity or or uh, uh, LGBTQ rights, people allow feeling seen, you know, uh, uh, bathrooms, um, obviously Black Lives Matter, like police brutality, um, but the conversations we think that we're having actual conversations in the comment boxes instead of doing what you guys are doing on this podcast, which is how do I, storytelling, how do I, I I think they're different. For me personally, of what I've witnessed and been a part of and championed too is, is I can both see the problem, but also see the person. And we're all conditioned, even myself in certain ways. And we're all trying, I think, this generation is desperately trying to get deconditioned, hopefully, or we're reconditioning hopefully. ourselves in other ways. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. yeah. How do Very we like so. have those conversations that my, my friend and I, who we're writing something um, together um, and it's a drama and it has to do honestly with, uh, uh, it's a story around a girl who, uh, uh, you know, is mixed race adopted in Minneapolis in the eighties. Um, and it has a lot to do with, you know, race and inequity at that time. And she grew up during that time there. And, uh, and we've talked a lot about this in our own process of making this story. Um, what are our own biases? Like we've had the time to spend on that. And also like, what are the things that we've faced and experienced simply because of what we look like or because we're female or identify as female. And what, what we kept talking about is there's like, or I personally feel like there's different, like there's different spaces for different conversations. There's a space for the people, the victims of trauma. And that is Mm -hmm. a, that is a certain space. And that's a space where people need to feel seen and heard and safe. And it's important. And then there's another space and that's for the people trying to understand what that thing over there is because they genuinely want to understand and sometimes that gets messy or that gets you know triggering or and those are different spaces and then there's this space where people who have experienced trauma have processed and know how to take care of themselves and the people who are trying to learn are ready to engage uh, in an empathetic way. And those are the inclusive spaces. Like those mm-hmm. are the places where we all come together and go, man, I don't know what it's like to be, a- I'm always like, I don't know what it's like to be a straight white guy. I have no idea. I have a- Why not? I, I tried, <laughs> it, it didn't, apparently on, I'm not that good of an actress. Let us tell you. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know what that's like. So in a way, you know, my my empathy is I like I know my own hardships, I know my own struggles, and I know what honestly I have also adopted for myself that maybe the world told me I should adopt that doesn't actually exist in my world. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I've had my whole life to know that I'm never going to be the majority in a room. So I've had my whole life to struggle with my identity up to this point, and and always in new ways and always in new iterations. I can't imagine the wake up call, what it is to be 30, 45, 50 as a straight white male and have all the signifiers in the media or or statues or that say, you're the hero, you're supposed to be the hero of the story. And then suddenly it's all ripped away and go, maybe you're the bad guy and have an identity crisis when you're like, but I'm already a fully formed adult, right? Like, 
wait, now the world's telling me I'm this. What does that mean? Like, I don't know what that's like. I, I've oh, yeah. had all this time with it, you know? I mean, I can, yeah. I can at least say on a personal note, Mike, I don't know how you, like, you feel about this or where you're you're at, but I feel like there is at least some degree in my life where, and especially my motivation of doing this podcast with, with Mike and our friends is because I myself have been at some level a victim of straight white maleness in that in that yeah. culture and have had, you know, not to the, I can't claim to have any kind of greater extent than uh, a person of color or a woman or whatever, but like I know that there's a degree at which it's affected my life enough that I have a level of sympathy that I can bring into a conversation yeah. to know, like I'm here, I'm here to listen and learn because that's all, that's all I want. I just want to know how can I be better and how can I be a better ally? That's yeah. beautiful. I, and I want the yeah. same thing. I'm, yeah. I want to be allies to my communities. I want to be an ally to communities that I am not, um, you know, a part of. And I, I do think being mixed is sort of, it's like you're, it's like a, you straddle many worlds. So it's kind of like feeling, there's definitely been earlier times in my life where I felt like, oh man, I don't know if I belong anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no group that f it fully encompasses me. But what that does is forces me to see myself or and the likenesses between all people, and um, and I, and it look every per, every aside from like you know like physical safety, which I think the hardest struggles in the communities that a lot that are being like talked about a lot come down to physical struggle and mm -hmm. a history of that, and I mean like not physically being safe, whether it's missing and murdered indigenous women, you know, the black communities. Also, I have, you know, relatives that are police officers too. So I, I understand all of these complexities and, and go, okay, so if we can understand your struggle and this struggle, then maybe that's like, Byron, what you're talking <clears throat> about, like, I could sit here or we could argue oh, who struggles harder, but I don't know that that's going to get me anywhere or you anywhere better. No, it's better. not productive. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not learning. It's complaining. Yes. In a way. But there's, Liz, I'm kind of right there with you of I, my dad was a cop. Yeah. Like retired cop and everything who worked in a city that was very diverse and had a lot of things going on and i've had that i've had many conversations with him specifically about just the trials and tribulations that he has had to go through as a cop yeah. the trainings and everything that they should go through and what they have gone through but also like at the end of the day it's also just mental characteristics as well yeah i mean not a right bit of everybody involved but there are people who are straight up assholes who should not be in those positions but and, um, i talked to a guy who was uh, um i think i told you guys this like i've actually found myself surrounded by a lot of very like conservative like white dudes <laughs> <Yes>. lately <laughs> i'm like yeah. wow that's so funny because here i am this little like socially liberal fairy that's like yay um <laughs> and they're yeah. like i just want to like and i i really think underneath it that i'm like oh you're trying to understand your place in all this mm -hmm. and you do need someone that looks like me 
to talk to talk it out with because thank God for therapy because I've spent time <laughs> so that I know how to take care of myself in this yeah. conversation and I don't have to agree with you but I can still respect you mm-hmm. and I I think there's there was a guy I was talking to um, when I was free diving <laughs> in uh, uh, in Mexico and um, he was talking about his time in the military and how hard he had it growing up and he was asking you know he said he goes man I just I don't uh, I, he's like I just and I was like well, what is it what, what's the what are you what are you struggling with and he was like I just he said I hate this whole thing about white privilege and I was like okay what what do you hate about it what you know I really am curious like I'm like I want to know because I don't I'm like all right like what do you hate about it maybe I mean a different thing than what you think I mean or someone else means and he was like he told me about his story his own personal story and how he struggled and how he you know like literally would have been like you know killed from like gang violence where he grew up and joined the military to escape it and and at some point I was like so let me get this straight so you do what it is is you've had your own struggles and you don't like being identified as something or or who you are presumed especially being a negative presumption about you simply because of what you look like he goes yeah and I was like that's exactly how my husband feels isn't that interesting and suddenly we're having a conversation and he feels understood and I'm not saying everyone should is ready or should do what I was able to how I was able to speak with him but then he was able to tell me about his time in the military and I said man I can't imagine I said I've never done a job where like I get to fake it on television but I've never done a job where my life and the life of the people next to me is in danger every single day and I'm being given orders to kill people and I cannot and I have to do it I've never been in a position where I've been trained to do these things and I can't imagine the mental and emotional toll that that takes on someone and then to be asked, hey, by the way, just come be a normal person again. Come be a member of society who who gives a shit about the dinner's ready at 5 p.m. And I think of cops in the same way that like there are bad cops and the system absolutely needs to be reformed and we do need to fund put funding into black and brown communities so that healing can happen there but you want to know what one of the things that i have always respected about you is respect me i respect you as a strong independent woman who don't need no man but i don't need no man but you got your husband and he is a very good guy uh, but one of the things that I have always respected about you is your ability to just kind of listen and learn and just kind of grab those little details. And to me, in that way, and something that I just kind of pieced together of, I've nicknamed you Elizabeth Croft because <laughs> you're able to go out and you're not just exploring people and their personalities and stuff, but you're also sort of an explorer throughout everything. You're going out, you're diving deep, and you're looking and seeing how far you can personally go. When you're writing these characters, you're 
diving deep into the mindset and just kind of exploring where the story can go. Is there anything left or is there that one thing that you hope to explore (laughs) to just kind of find and discover what's next on your bucket list for exploration? Yeah, there, I mean, it's endless. It's this book that I was reading um, during pandemic 2020. 20. Uh, <laughs> into 2021. We don't say that year anymore. No, it's, st- yeah. it's still that it's like year. Voldemort. We're just not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just don't talk about it. In the, the year, year of Voldemort. shall not be named. <laughs> the, there was this book that I read by this woman who is like the foremost like female cave diver in the world. And the first line of her book, because it was so impactful, I was like, and it just met me, you know when things just meet you at the right time? It mm-hmm. met me at the right time, and she said, um, if I die, it will be in the most beautiful place that no one has ever seen. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I was like, That's, to yes. me, when I think about like how I do life, it's, it's what is the thing I'm just because the the spirit of curiosity and I have lost it at points in my life I honestly in the in an effort to achieve and reach a goal and I actually have a little meme to share with I brought it today I brought you know show (laughs) and tell I brought a show and tell today let's Um, go (laughs) (laughs) but but I feel like there it's always going to be ever evolving like who knows like you know if I'm fortunate enough to become a mother, if I'm fortunate enough to to sell a show, there are all of these things that I will not know that I do not know until I get there. And the only thing that I that I can do best is this be my spirit of curiosity, like these beautiful places inside of me that just Mike, just like you, Byron, just like you, that you can tell me all day all of the things that you've explored and we can share that but I'll never experientially know. Mm-hmm. It's just for you. It's just, there's some part of it that it will always be just for me and that that's satisfying enough. And I just think there's a real innocence to curiosity. There's a real um, a positivity. There's a real um, um, well-intentionedness to curiosity, whether it goes well or not, that <laughs> that is, you know, that's so beautiful. And that's how I think of work, whatever I'm doing, um, whatever that looks like. I, I, I just really firmly like believe in the beauty of the possibility of every moment. Like I didn't know what we were gonna talk about when I came on here today. I had <laughs> no idea. We. we had no idea either. <laughs> we didn't. I had no idea. And then it's like, because of who you guys are, infused with, you know, who I am, and like, shout out to Wes, who I know is somewhere like, era, era, DJing this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's as good as it gets. I actually can beatbox, I got you. Um, that, you know, like, that's where you go, man, I, I dove in the ocean, and little did I know, six months later, I'd be diving 108 feet deep or that I'd want to, you know, there's always a, there's, there's a calculated cost. There's a calculated risk, Mm -hmm. you know, I think to a lot of the things that I do being an actress, uh, uh, it's not a guaranteed career. 
um, at all. But also like, you know, my husband and I were just talking about this and I was like, um, nothing is guaranteed as we've learned from the year that shall not be named. (laughs) Nothing is guaranteed. And so if nothing's guaranteed, how do you both, you know, be a loving, responsible human being, go on your journey, you know, do all the things that you need to do to take care of yourself, but give yourself the space to be surprised. Um, I I love being surprised. I love, I love it. (laughs) Liz, we have approached the end of our time together, but I want to know what is your future good? What's coming up for you? What can we tell all the Phil Goody Two Shoes that are out there? Yeah. All 10 of you. Um, <laughs> what's going on in the world of Liz Francis? Hey, um, I can share. Uh, I can't share specifics yet, but um, I can share um, that I will be a video game character. Oh, sure. I can oh, share. Cool. Um, that's like super cool and badass. Uh, I can share that I, in a specific form, will be a superhero. <gasps> I can share that um, I am super excited to, I have a drama and a sci-fi <laughs> that, uh, that I am knock on wood, um, you know, hoping to take out and, and sell and have it in your homes on your screens. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also hoping to dive deeper and I am going to be in this first like all women spearfishing tournament next week <laughs> yes. in Baja. Oh my God. And, uh, and of course me being the storyteller am, I'm like, this is a show, all these like awesome female spiras and like, and diving and we're documenting it. So we're gonna like shoot a sizzle. Um, That's and so I'm cool. just so stoked. I mean, cause who yeah. doesn't want to be a mermaid? Dude, who doesn't right. want to be like Aqua Woman, <laughs> right. like just straight up taking your trident and right? piercing a fish? Yeah, because I feel like mermaids used to be branded as like, one day I'll be whole and I'll grow legs and be in a man's world, and like they're ethereal and like nymphish. And now it's like, no, wicked mermaids are like badass, like. You know, they're, they've yeah. got their own tridents and they're like, you know, down there in the deep, like they're, they're Hell free. Yeah. They're, you know, individual, like it's, we're rebranding mermaids kids. Um, Somebody I, has to, it's about damn time. <laughs> and really I couldn't is. think of anybody better than you, Liz. But Liz, where can people find you on the social medias if they uh, want to learn more about your projects and all that kind of stuff? Truth be told, I've, I think I've killed all the socials except for Instagram. Um, because I believe in whatever makes me sane. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not, so it's really an effort. <laughs> but I am on I'm on the Instagram, the Instagram uh, at e francis f r a n c e s the feminine zero three. That's nice. My, you'll see me. Um, I don't know, posting pictures of you know, my stylist friend making me look much better than I do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like uh, smoke and mirrors and uh, dressing me better than I will dress myself. And then um, uh, and then like me underwater and having a blast. I, nice. I like to have fun wherever I go. <laughs> well, it's been fun. It's been a blast. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being really, here. Thank you so much. Dudes, thank you. This is such an awesome 
podcast. And also, now I'm curious if I can grow a beard. Like <laughs> you can. What's well, we'll right? We'll uh, no, no, no. Tips. I believe in, it's about patience and and beard oil. <laughs> the beard oil makes it all. But it, it makes it all. Liz, thank you so much. Toodles, McDoodles. Toodles, Woo! McDoodles, kids. And Stay then... safe. Don't run over any four-leggeds. Don't talk to strangers unless they have a smile on their face. Uh, I know. Um, th- I, I, I was serious when I said I haven't laughed so much in a, a very long time. Yeah, uh, we we had some parts that we had to cut out because we were laughing too much and it was not registering. But oh my god, was Liz a delight? Uh, right. I mean, so Mike, I have to ask, what was your takeaway from our conversation with Liz. Uh, I mean, where to start? Uh, Liz is an incredible human being, uh, simply because, and what my takeaway is, is her ability to put herself into uncomfortable positions and find that way to get through it. Um, like her ability to take on these roles that are, like say, of like characters with trauma um, and being able to sort of embody that but then at the end of the day, find that way to just turn it off. Like, how? How does one do that? I yeah. like, I have a little bit of acting in me, but god damn, that's amazing that she can do that. And then also with her ability to push herself farther and farther with free diving and being able yeah. to kind of control your mindset as you're going through this and telling yourself, you're okay. You're okay. That, that takes skill that takes determination and it takes so much discipline it does and the fact that i i think i've mentioned this before like for i don't do resolutions i do yearly themes and like my 2021 theme is just fucking do it doing those things that you know sometimes you've said you wanted to do it and then you just go off and you're just going to fucking do it she has that ability to just do that all the time. And I find that so incredibly motivating. And props to you, Liz. Props to you. Seriously. Oh, also, I gave her a dollar. <laughs> I was about to ask, did, did, yeah. did you pay her? Did I, I did. I did pay her a dollar. I, <laughs> she er- I'm a she man of my word. the fuck out of that dollar. <laughs> she did. She sure did. But Byron, what did you take away from this episode? So I think, well, so something I hold personally important, especially as a survival skill, is storytelling. So it was really refreshing to hear her talk about storytelling from that same perspective, especially the perspective of how she is using it to advocate stories of women and people of color, and just the importance that she puts on everyone's stories. Mm -hmm. I think it's especially when we are talking about storytelling. We're talking about storytelling in 2021, and it is important to be telling uh, stories of disenfranchised uh, persons. It is still very impressive to have someone come along and say, well, 
yes, we like these are important, but we cannot forget about the stories of these people as well because they form the other side of the context for these other stories and they're just mm-hmm. as important and the fact that she can see all sides of it and put it on everyone's story on the same level it i think it i makes her just a, a better creative person but just also like basically like i see a lot of her positivity come from this place and excitement from talking to people i think also like her talking to um the uh army vet who mm-hmm. uh and just that story in itself and where they were able to see eye to eye i think it takes again it takes incredible discipline because i think it does another person would look at that would look at that guy and go are you serious like do you not hear yourself right now but i think like i i love these kinds of conversations and she's i think the perfect person to have these conversations Mm. with but even then like i think to just bring up that point and if there's any takeaway that anybody should take from this episode it's the fact that we need to have more conversations and yes. dialogue instead yes. of reactions and more defensiveness. Yes. Be able to listen to one another, chat with one another, get to know one another, find that common ground so that we don't have to be so freaking divisive in 2021 and in the future. If we want to make any change, we need to work together. I, I hope we're able to bring that for people on this podcast because that's something I know like you and I, we talk about all the time and it's something that we actually like talk about with great excitement. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, our unofficial mantra of the show is do good, feel good, get good. So yep. <laughs> like, do good to others, make you feel good, and then eventually you might get good. So, but... Liz Francis can be found on social media, or she can be found on Instagram at efrancis03 if you want to give her a follow and take a look at all of her shenanigans that she gets into, like her spear fishing competition that she's about to get into. And I'm still waiting in front of my couch for that show. Dude, that's going to be so <laughs> badass. I cannot wait. I know. Wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. But everybody, remember rate us five stars find us on whatever podcast thing that you go on and just rate 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 please you have no idea how much it helps and uh like subscribe find us on instagram at feelgoodpod or you can email us at feelgoodpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or you just want to say hey uh, we want to give a quick shout out to uh, our crew, our uh, producer, Alexia Van Was, who is our uh, resident chaos wrangler. Yes. Uh, we also have our Q&A specialist, uh, Alicia Underwood, who is making sure that we don't sound like complete idiots. And our tech guru and audiophile, resident audiophile is uh, Wes Underwood. Now that we're at the end here, we'd love to give a quick shout out to Katie Champagne, 
earlier in her episode, we were talking about that she has a podcast coming out. She does. Well, now it's now it's out. Her podcast is dropped. Will they? Won't here. they? <gasps> Will they? Won't they? <gasps> so excited! Everybody, it please is. go give that a listen to because go Katie and is find a delight. Them on- Yes, they have a few episodes out right now, and um, they and her uh, co-host Danielle. They're just they're delightful people. They're talking about your favorite rom coms, all of the problematic things with them, all of the things they loved about them. Just if you love rom coms, go and check this out. This podcast is for you. I'm about to um, listen to the miscongeniality episode right now, uh, oh. so we should go, Byron. Yeah, we should probably go and listen to this podcast, uh, and we will catch y'all on the flip, 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 flip. You know, one day we gotta actually do like the flip, flop, flippity flop to like the actual time signature of our outro. I'm just no, never.